Hey, what is up, everyone? Chris Manning here from the Locked on Cavs podcast with my co-host, Evan Damerl. On today's show, we are going to talk about Cavs-Pistons, which the Cavs lost for their third street loss in the row and obviously a loss coming back out of the All-Star break. That Evan is going to talk to Bally Burmaster from Channel 19 about some All-Star stuff and just some Cavs stuff in general. Let's get into the show. You are Locked On Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. First, we want to thank you, by the way, for making Locked On Cavs your first listen every single day. Remember, we are free and available on all platforms, um, and that includes YouTube. So please hit subscribe if you haven't already. Evan, um, we'll get you're, you're going to be on the show the whole time. I'm just here for this segment number one in our in our ad reads today. But the Cavs lost to the Pistons, their third loss in a row. We also got some injury news on on Thursday regarding Karis LeVert, who's going to be out one to two weeks with a foot sprain after he landed on someone's foot in practice uh, earlier this week. And Darius Garland, who's going to be day to day as he continues to kind of deal with that back issue. I guess, Evan, do you have anything to say on the injury stuff? I think that what is what is obvious here is that they're going to miss some integration time with Levert. They're going to miss bringing, getting some time to reincorporate him and, and continue to continue to build with what they have with him. I think it's especially tricky because there's not that much time left in this regular season to kind of get him fully acclimated. But that that's, I think, where we stand with Levert. The Garland thing is more of just let's just see where it continues to go. It's obviously not optimal, and they clearly miss him when he's not playing. We said that a lot already when he's missed time, but – it doesn't seem like it's going to be something that's going to keep him out more than another game or two. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I know the Cavs were very vague on their press release on his recovery. I think it's clear again, like we've said many of times now, especially tonight against Detroit, that they could have used him if we were giving out awards for this game, which which we're not. Sorry to disappoint. I think I'd give Garland my... MVP is a little bit of a tongue-in-cheek thing, and then also in all seriousness, just because he's so vital to this team's offensive success. Um, hopefully, maybe before the weekend, they reevaluate him and say, okay, a solid stretch of time off is really what his back needed because uh, J.B. Bickerstaff was pressed on a little bit pregame, and he said that Darius is obviously disappointed, but like understood in the grand scheme of things, this is much more important than him playing this these upcoming games against Detroit against Minnesota against Washington on Saturday as well. Um, it, it's not a it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. Is what the Cavs are kind of more or less saying right now. So I think that sucks. I think the lack of the ability to integrate Levert. Hopefully it is one week. Um, I didn't see him on the sidelines during the game, so he probably stayed back in Cleveland just because he wasn't going to be available. But um yeah that i think that one's the one that sucks a little harder just because you trade for him as a piece to complement your roster and your rotation to kind of help you really make a push towards the playoffs and build some forward momentum heading towards the playoffs as well and the lack of his presence just to build a rapport with some of his teammates like yes he has with jared allen for their time with brooklyn but they got to reestablish where they were at that time and it's just a little disappointing because jb bickerstaff mentioned before the all-star break against Atlanta, like the Cavs are making a concerted effort just to really just feature Levert and pick and rolls and pick and pop scenarios and just 
scenarios involve screeners because Levert's a very good passer in those scenarios. He scores really well in those scenarios, and he's hoping, like Bickerstaff said, to open up the offense a little bit. I think that's just the frustrating thing is the Cavs kind of don't have that luxury. And granted, like he'll probably be back early to mid-March possibly, and there's still a little bit of pocket of opportunity to kind of integrate him back into the rotation. And the Cavs play a lot of games in March. That is a little bit of a blessing in disguise, but it is frustrating. It is disappointing to think about that. Yeah, and then moving on to the game, they lose 106-103. to 103. J.B. Bakersheim, after the game, called the game a, quote, disappointment, said they didn't do a job collectively as a team, did praise the Pistons for their effort, didn't want to like disparage them, but really was kind of clearly annoyed by this. And for people that will maybe comment on YouTube or tweet us and ask why they didn't, they, why didn't uh, the, he challenge the Okoro call when uh, Okoro very visibly did not foul Kate Cunningham, but Kate Cunningham got two free throws when they called the foul, which ended up mattering in this game. To, to at least some degree, um, he said it wasn't a foul. Cut off the question that was asked about it. They moved on to someone else who was a team employee who then asked a question about Brandon Goodwin, and then the press conference was over. So that was the extent mm-hmm. of it. And uh, the person asked Brandon was like Goodwin not one of the people in person. So told the media that they also don't know when Darius will be back. So I just don't think we're getting yes. a lot of clarity on that either. No, but I, I that call was really bad. I think then they got yeah. three shots at the end of the game and they missed all three of them, and that's also bad. And like this, Evan, I, I think JB is right to call this game a disappointment. This is a game that even without Darius, even without Lavert, I think you need to go into Detroit and beat a bad Pistons team. This is the 14th mm-hmm. win of the Pistons season. The Cavs have 35 wins. The Cavs are a much better basketball team. The Cavs did flip a switch defensively and locked in late, and Mobley had a stretch of this game where he looked like the best player on the floor and all of that stuff. Marketing was good in his return, I think, for the most part. But like, you have to win this game. You led this game by as many as 10. You were outperforming them by like every metric for most of this game. And then in the fourth quarter, by the end of the fourth quarter, the Pistons had a, ended up just outperforming you across the board in terms of offensive rating, defensive rating, in terms of like everything you want to track. And like, I, again, you can say they miss Garland. You can say they miss Levert. I, I think this is a disappointing loss. And I, it's three in a row. It's, it's tight in the East right now. Like this, this could matter. And I think if you're saying it doesn't, I think you're, you're, you're a little too, deep inside here kind of war just with your fan head on yeah i understand why people are disappointed in the moment but i don't think people will be obsessing over this too much come playoff time if garland is fully healthy and lavert's fully healthy well no the the real story of the game is the playoffs and you've you've got i know i know but this is this is for like you said this is a winnable game for the Cavs, and they kind of just fell apart down the stretch. I think missing 11 of their 34 three free throws is suboptimal to say the least. I also think going 12 of 35 from three is also t- tough, but let's be frank. The three point shooters at this point are Jetty Osmond. It's Dean Wade when he's feeling it. It's um, Kevin Love and it's Larry marketing who has quite a bit of rust. He's trying to get himself reacclimated to playing with the Cavs again. So it's just, this is a tough one. It's tough to take on the chin. I'm curious to see how the kind of the Cavs respond. Maybe they use that Kevin Pango's roster spot to maybe go make a move just to add some extra scoring punch if it's available, but we'll see what happens. Like there's a little bit of a limited window at this point of what the Cavs can do. They have till next Tuesday to sign a player that can remain playoff eligible, but it, it, this was just a disappointing loss. Uh, t- two in a row. I wouldn't say this was as frustrating as the first loss they had in Detroit that Darius Garland was clearly frustrated about. But this was easily a winnable game for the Cavs, and disappointing is a good way to put it. Yeah, I I think this 
is a bad loss. I think, again, you should beat the Pistons. You should handle your business in these situations. And the fact that they didn't um, isn't great. Is they're just trying to figure out what's going on here, figure out how to continue events. Where I think, again, there were some really positive things from this game. Mobley had a defensive game that is one of the best defensive games I think we've seen from him, at least stretches of it. Marketing, you know, 66 team from the field. The last moments of the fourth quarter rolled. Yes. Marketing, you know, comes back, plays 20 minutes, 6 of 16 from the field, 22 points. Uh, eight to ten from the line, you know, was missed the three late and stuff, but like was overall, I think, pretty good. Everything just felt a little off. I think, you know, without Darius, without Levert, they have they struggle to have guys on this team that are going to force rotations and force the offenses you react to them. You saw them muster enough offense realistically for the most part, and then it just kind of faded out. Late Goodwin had some moments, but ultimately, you know, didn't doesn't quite clean enough. Um, it. I, there's there's just left food on the table here for the Cavs. Like the Pistons shot forty point seven percent from the field and won. Like that that's that's bad. That's a bad loss straight up. No, it really is. Like there's only so many ways you can spin this without saying it's just a bad loss in multi different ways. But there's no rest for the weary. I think right now, just standing wise, it's virtually a tie between Cleveland, Milwaukee, and Philadelphia for third place in the Eastern Conference. So. It got a little tighter. I think Philly is probably going to jump ahead just temporarily because they play tomorrow night, and that's going to be James Harden's debut. And I imagine the Sixers will be a little juice and probably won't fall flat on their face. But maybe I'm speaking a jinx into existence as I punch my mic. There it is, folks. But it's going to be tough sledding. I was kind of going through it while Chris was kind of getting set up before the show. I don't think the play-in tournament is really like what people should be worried about. I could see this Cavs team slipping to five or six, though, and then they're going to have to kind of face an upward climb to maybe get back to that position they're in. Like, it's going to get uglier before it gets better, obviously, but I don't think the end is completely here where people are like, oh, great, now the Cavs are going to be in the playing tournament. I don't think that's necessarily the case. I have faith in the fact that they have one of the easier schedules down the stretch, and I think I have faith in the fact that them doing this with Garland now is the right decision because if you have him available even for their <clears throat> closing stretch of the season as regular season as well, this is just a smart move in the grand scheme. I think we're just going to have some frustrating losses between now and then until he's fully back out there. Yeah, I think that's right. Okay, we're going to go on a break here, and then Evan uh, Evan will be back with Valley Mermesh from Channel 19 to talk with her about a ton of different things. But Evan first going to tell everyone – about our friends at Truebill. Do you know why true free trials were new without your consent? It's a business scam out to get you and take your hard-earned money. Don't let greedy corporations pocket your money, so download Truebill today to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't want or need or simply forgot about. On average, people save up to $720 a year with Truebill. Truebill makes canceling subscriptions very easy. All you got to do is link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. Go right now. Truebill.com backslash locked NBA. It could save you thousands a year. They have over 2 million users and help them save over $100 million. For instance, Matthew B saved $660 on his DirecTV bill using Truebill. So, Truebill.com slash locked NBA. That is Truebill.com slash locked NBA. Start canceling today. It could save you thousands a year. This episode of Locked on Cavs is also brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. 
Winder often pointless or seemingly intimidating questions and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. They're a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto's prices are reliably low and are for every customer. They have everything you need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. I, myself, Evan, encourage you to discover all the parts... <laughs> car parts your car needs and discover how rock auto can help and share just how awesome it is with everybody you talk to so if you're interested go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there how did you hear about us box to know that we sent you amazing selections should be live below prices all the parts your car will ever need check them out today at rockauto.com all right now valley burmaster with evan talking about some Joining me now is Channel 19 sports anchor Bailey Burmaster. You can find her everywhere. She's doing Cavs. She's doing the Browns. She recently tweeted that she never thought she'd be stack stalking a social an athlete's social media account, but here we are. But Bailey, how are you today? How are you feeling? Uh, I'm exhausted. If I'm being completely honest, um, I feel like never even really caught up on rest from Brown season just because of the drama that consistently is going on within that organization. Then the Cavs have been fun. You get amped up for all-star weekend and it was a blast, but it really, I, I, I saw a tweet and someone said, if you worked all-star weekend, you should have like five days of vacation after because I'm, I'm just tired. It's long. It's nonstop. Uh, you're at events from the morning till night. Uh, gosh, we were finishing up TV around midnight at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse on Saturday and Sunday. So mm. I'm exhausted, but it was all worth it. I mean, I was joking about the bags under my eyes. Thank God for concealer gets me through uh, the shows. But um, I have a couple days off here, and I'm definitely looking forward to it after the weekend. I think you definitely deserve it because – I we saw each other plenty of times around just whether it was media availability at the Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse, keep on the call at the queue, just anywhere in between. We were buying candy at one point, but you had to carry camera equipment to carry all this gear. You had to be dressed to the nines, and I'm just wearing like a sweater and jeans, and I'm just like I'm kind of going for a uh, comfy professional a little bit, and like you have a full outfit on. I'm like I do not envy what Bailey's going through. You and gotta, then you got to embrace that for me because if I could just like rock a sweatsuit and tennis shoes to everything with my oh. hair in a bun with minimal makeup, I would do it because being dressed to the nines and for TV is honestly like the worst part of the job um, is like the presentation aspect of it. Mm -hmm. um, but with that being said, how many people get to cover all star weekend? So you might as well. Yeah. Do no, that's see, that's the thing. I, um, I have a doorman at my building when I walk in some nights, like if it's like a frustrating evening or like just a bad Cavs game to cover, like I get a little huffy and then she's quick to remind me. She's like, you, you cover sports for a living. You're, you're like living everybody's dream job. And I'm like, thank you, Kelsey, for putting it for perspective for like the millionth time today. Yeah, I was thinking about this today too, because, uh, someone texted me and was like, Oh, covering all-star had to be dope. And 75th anniversary team being announced. That was awesome. I'm jealous. And I was like, yeah, it was great, but like what you didn't see is working from getting up at seven, going to the all-star practice, covering those events, you know, running around with camera equipment. It's TV, so nothing is perfect. 
Uh, There's a lot of chaos within TV, which people fail to see. I'm not complaining whatsoever. I chose this industry to do it. But it's not all glitz and glam, which some people think it is. Oh, no, absolutely. And I that's why I said I don't envy the position you're in because you have to take it. Like, I have to just sit behind a computer and somebody pays me for my opinion, whether it's right or wrong. Like, you have to be on in terms of presentation and everything else. That's where I don't envy you there. I think the funny thing, especially, like, you know, when people are asking about the TV aspect of everything, people fail to see that we produce, edit, write, shoot a lot of our own stuff. You know, I think I don't do as much camera work as I used to in my previous markets, which were Green Bay, Wisconsin and Lubbock, Texas. But mm. I still like heavily, you know, we haven't been we haven't been approved to be at Cavs practices. Actually, we were today, thankfully. So hopefully we'll be out there more um just because of covid stuff related things but for mm-hmm. browns practice like we're the ones out there doing the camera work and shooting and you know i always get asked oh like where's your photog i am the photog oh who does your makeup i am the makeup artist you know there's uh you gotta be a swiss army knife so to speak well i appreciate your dedication and i appreciate you coming on like a, like i really do and i may be to quote you a little bit abusing you going forward as <laughs> a guest because for those who don't know i've been on channel 19 a few times with bailey and she, i'm just she jokingly I, says she's abusing me i'm like it's not really i'm happy to come on and chat so well it's it's so great to always i think it's a like a positive part about the industry people don't discuss enough is like the great people and nice people you meet along the way. And you obviously have a common interest because of the teams you're covering. Um, mm-hmm. So it's always nice to see different perspectives and bouncing it off of people. So that's why I always love having you come on our show. And now oh. I get to return the favor. No, absolutely. And let's, let's talk about all-star a little bit though. Obviously we talk about how you and I both retired. Like those who listen to the show probably know, Wednesday's the day I finally woke up a little bit like Monday and Tuesday were real struggles for me I took Monday off entirely and slept for the better part of the day and just Tuesday felt like I was an absolute zombie and just today I'm finally getting back into the swing of things but we we were kind of just storyboarding some ideas before this Um, I was doing it from the chair of a tattoo artist and you're just like I love this but Bailey what was your like in terms of events and even like anything in general what was and we we ruled out the dunk contest because i think it's no secret that the dunk contest was suboptimal this season um what was your least favorite part of all-star let's rip the band-aid off and get it out of the way um so least part this is a curveball answer but i think you live downtown as well so you Mm -hmm. understand when i say this um it took me like 30 minutes to get home from anywhere downtown. Oh yeah. I had a car and that was a pain because the night's over. I'm trying to get home and I can't do it. Um, the basketball related answer I have for you is actually like the worst part of the weekend that I secretly loved. And it's because, um, it's the same reason that Russell Westbrook is my favorite player in the NBA, which I can see is very controversial probably right now. And people can judge me. That's okay. I can take it. (laughs) He's so petty and I love players that are petty because it's just hilarious to me. So Mm -hmm. the worst best part of the weekend was Steph Curry winning MVP because the Cavs fans secretly hated it. Yeah. Like you can't deny the greatness he had during that game. No. Also today I want to tell you about our friends at Built Bar. 
This is the time of year that people give up on their news resolutions, but not this year. You can stick to your resolutions by eating Bill Bar. It almost feels like you're not really a re- it's a resolution because you're going to enjoy eating them. Bill Bars are covered in 100% chocolate that includes the great puffs and their low calorie, high protein snacks. Replace your candy bars with these. They're going to be better for you. They're going to be more enjoyable. And look, check out their macros: 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four grams of net carbs, and 17 grams of protein compared to a candy bar which usually has 240 calories 30 grams of sugar and dozens of net carbs that's unbeatable they have great flavors like mint brownie coconut coconut almond and new this month white chocolate cookies and cream go to built.com use the promo code lock 15 and get 15 percent off your order again use the promo code lock 15 for 15 percent off at built.com to get flavors like white chocolate cookies and cream, mint brownie, all of those great ones. You won't regret it. Lock 15 for 15. No, that's <laughs> see, I, I tweeted it during the game. Like you can hate him all you want. And I'm sure there's some Cassians who dislike LeBron for him leaving the first time and leaving the second time. But like the showmanship, those two were just showcasing on the floor. Like you're watching Steph Curry pulling up from almost half court and making it. Or you're watching him take a three pointer and turn his back to the shot as it's going in. Cause he knows it's going in. That's fun. And the tickets are fifteen to fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars at this right. point. If you're paying that much, I want to have a good time. Like well, you and I were lucky enough to go for free. Right. And why I, not have fun? Exactly. I'm with you. And I think the funniest part was, you know, whether it was his intro or at halftime, he was getting booed. But there was mm-hmm. a point, and I think it was in the third quarter where he hit like four threes back to back. And yeah everyone's just going oh like freaking out and no one's booing him just because it's like at the end of the day everyone's there for the common denominator which is to Mm -hmm. see some legends and some greats just ball out and have some fun no absolutely and so i agree on the travel aspect i agree on the steph aspect i walked most places because i gave up driving i did too the saturday i was just like either i'm gonna have to pay for parking or I'm going to park like three blocks over and walk even further and then deal with all the traffic. And I'm like, I'm just going to throw an extra pair of shoes in my bag so I don't ruin my Air Cortezes when I'm walking from the arena. So I did the same. Great minds think alike. Exactly. Just <laughs> teamwork makes the de- dream work here. But for me, the worst part, it kind of goes hand in hand with yours, but I enjoyed a little bit of the pettiness. Like I thought it was funny that you would watch certain players get introduced and Draymond Green's on the screen, just instant chorus of booze. Or Steph Curry's on the Jumbotron, instant chorus of booze. Or Paul Pierce is walking out and being celebrated as one of the 75th greatest, 75 all-time greatest players, just drowned in booze. But apparently TNT deafened that, so nobody heard it at home. I had friends, I'm serious, I had friends and family texting me saying, were people really booing Steph? I'm like, yeah. And I'd send them the video. They're like, oh my God. And it's not like that at home. So that's the Boo, worst part for me. TNT. Boo. Boo. Exactly. So, I don't know if you caught this too, but this made me laugh so hard. So after they introduced Steph mm-hmm. um, and he was booed, Giannis was then introduced and he got a, a huge applause. And he looks at Steph, winks at him and like, <laughs> like that's how it's done. I didn't catch that. I was like... I covered Giannis with the Bucks when I was in Green Bay, and I was just like, oh, I love it. Like, I just love the pettiness of the NBA. Mm-hmm. It, it's it, unmatched. It, it is really unmatched. You really notice it as well when James Harden was introduced, just smothered in booze. <laughs> and then Darius gets introduced immediately after, and it's the complete opposite, like deafening, deafening cheers for, like, the right? hometown kid. 
And just to kind of jump off that, what was your like? That was a favorite part for me. I think that I think my favorite part overall was just the seventy-five play, like seventy-five greatest players ceremony. Like I thought that was super cool, just to kind of like be part of that. Because like going to an all-star game is a bucket list item for me, just personally. But to say. I get to go to that all-star game specifically, I think will really sit up there for me. And I think that was my favorite, like best moment. I mean, other than that or the skills competition, but what was your pick? No, mine was definitely the 75th anniversary ceremony at halftime. And I think it was because I didn't honestly really know what to expect. I've never covered anything like that. And I've never been in a room like that where you're presenting the legends of a certain sport. And there's a lot of them there. Um, it was just really cool to be there and be able to, you know, recount what a lot of these legends have done. And I thought it's honestly so cool to see Michael Jordan in person. Mm -hmm. Um, no one knew if he was going to be there because he was at the Daytona 500 and then all of a sudden he just appears. But I, all of this gets me thinking, I actually have a new worst thing about the entire weekend. And it was the people that weren't at the 75th anniversary ceremony that they had videos mm. and they did the. Yeah, that was real, real awkward. I had a buddy <laughs> who tweeted like the Larry Bird one. It was like me at a party saying hi to all these people I don't know. And I'm like, yeah, that's pretty relatable, honestly. Exactly. I felt like the pageant wave to me, just like. <laughs> and you, because you know, they felt awkward. Mm-hmm. Too. They were like, okay, this is for the ceremony. We just need you to wave like you're waving at people. So it was a very awkward, like. You're looking into the void, not knowing what you're exactly you're waving to. Correct. So, Correct. Yeah, that that definitely, I, I understand why some players couldn't do it just because of COVID or age mm-hmm. concerns or things like that. But like, it was cool to see seven or 61 of the 75 players represented. And then also some of the family members as well, like. I know it was really hard for Vanessa Bryant to be out there, oh, but to see absolutely. her just kind of stand there strongly and present the award to Steph and his daughter, just because part of the, uh, or no, sorry, not Steph, Chris Paul and his daughter, and just the significance of the WNBA award as well. Like, I think that was super cool too. Like, there's a lot of cool moments that didn't get noticed. And I, like I said, I'm just really happy and fortunate and blessed, honestly, that I got to cover it. I feel like it's just one of those things in the moment you're kind of just taking it all in and it's going to be something that, yeah, we're talking about now a couple days later, but in five years, whenever you're talking to someone or talking to a class and it's like, what's the top five events you've covered, that's going to be one of them. No, absolutely. And speaking of great coverage, just to shift lanes a little bit here because the locked on overlords keep us on a time schedule a little bit. Like the, the, the trains need to leave the station on time. <laughs> Covering great things, this Cavs season has really been unexpected. Like, you and I have talked about it a few times in the press box, but, like, long story short, they're fun. Like, full stop. Like, they're one of the fun teams to cover, especially for you of having to go through, like, a drama-riddled season with the Browns where their expectations were sky high and they fell flat on their face. You kind of come to this young and scrappy team. Like, what was that transition like for you? Because you're you're joining them mid-season, like, you didn't even get a chance to catch your breath. Like it's just go, go, go for you. Yeah. And you know what? It's really funny. I 
starting in Lubbock, Texas, I covered Texas Tech under Chris Beard when they went to the um, Elite Eight and then they went to a mm-hmm. national championship. And it really just started this foundation of love for basketball. Uh, when I got to Green Bay, I was able to cover the Milwaukee Bucks heavily through playoffs and, you know, talk to Giannis and talk to Chris Middleton and that just made me love the NBA even more. So when I came to Cleveland, Mm -hmm. I was really excited to cover the Cavs. And it was disappointing because obviously when you talk about like you love the NBA, people around you are like, oh, the Cavs aren't that good. And I'm a big believer on like not believing into like preseason hype or maybe whether that's good or bad or like, you know, falling into the narratives that you're used to because you just really never know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, look at the sample size you have now. Now I know the sample size for the Cavs hasn't been that good, but I was like, you know what? You never know. Like, I'm not going to sit here and be like, write them off until I know for sure. And I will say that being able to go to a couple games, start covering them. They're fun mm-hmm. and they're pretty. And I know we talk about the team chemistry a lot, but I love that they're so open to talk about it, that that's like a core piece to this the foundation of this team because Mm -hmm. those are the teams that are truly special and the teams that are able to build something bigger. It's cool to think that these guys really do not want to disappoint one another. Like there's something endearing about that. And I think Jared Allen during all-star practice, just it's a quote that kind of went to the wayside, but it's really stuck with me a lot that he takes a lot of pride in the fact that, he's kind of leading this Cavs team to be mm-hmm. the first team since 1997, 1998. I always have to put the year, add emphasis on the year for that's the last time the Cavs made the playoffs without LeBron James on their roster. Yeah. And for a, quite a few of our listeners, that's probably before they were born for me, I was four or five years old, ditto yep. for Chris Banning. So it really puts in perspective, like that's what makes this team so fun. And like you said, like they're, they're, they're kids at the end of the day. Like they have silly moments. Like there's moments where like they're goofy at the podium or they don't know yeah. how to take this seriously. And like, they're going to go through growing pains and rough moments. But like, I don't think a lot of people saw them just hit this gear. And I'm really excited to see what the future holds for them because the expectations were rock bottom this season. But the fact that they're in the playoff hunt, they could be a second round playoff hosting team at this point, like just record wise. And that's crazy to wrap my mind around. And like, it's not just what I'm looking at them now. It's what I want to see from them next season and the year after that. Like how do they build upon this season so they can continue the success? Because like you covered it in Milwaukee, they were a young team as well, who just kind of had to go through their growing pains and take the lumps. And then the next thing you know, Giannis just finally proves like, Hey, I'm not a regular season player. Mike Goldenhills, or I'm not a regular season coach, Chris Middleton. I'm the ideal wingman. Like they went over the hump. They went through their growing pains too. And like, I feel like you kind of saw that there. And I feel like you're going to see this here as well. It's a, it's a way of meshing like those seasoned vets with the young promising guys. And it's not as always easy as it looks to intertwine those, you know, Mm -hmm. but I will say with it kind of being the second half of the season, they're trying to make a push for the playoffs, uh, you know, whether it's play in or hosting. My question to you would be, you know, at the end of the day, how much do you think lack of experience will play down the line? See, that's an interesting question because I've been thinking about this a little bit. So they have 
Rajon Rondo, a championship winning point guard on their roster. They have Kevin Love, who has been to four finals and seen everything with LeBron James in between that. And he's won a championship as well. You have Karis LeVert and Jared Allen, who led the Nets to the playoffs before Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving got there. Then eventually James Harden shipped those two out of Brooklyn. You have a lot of veterans. And like it's weird to say Jared Allen is a veteran, but he is one of the more experienced young players in Cleveland's young core. To kind of just say this is what it takes to win and when you need to prepare for a seven-game series, like it's a completely different beast than the, the regular season because you're not just running a primary game plan on a night-to-night basis with maybe some slate alterations and tweaks to who you're facing. Like you're zeroing in on an opponent and focusing it on like mismatches you can exploit and things like that. I think I feel comfortable in saying that maybe this youth and the experience could be tough for them. There might be times where like they look like the moment's too big for them. Like all-star kind of gave you a little bit of a sample of that with Darius at times where like he looked a little overwhelmed or like maybe the moment was a little too big, but you don't notice a lot of that because Steph Curry was hitting these amazing shots throughout the game. So like that kind of gets thrown to the wayside, but it's also encouraging because Joel Embiid several days before the all-star game took Jared Allen's lunch money and then some, but down the stretch in the All-Star game, Jared Allen was challenging Joel Embiid on defense yeah. every step of the way. And then also trying to give it back to Embiid on offense. So granted, it's All-Star, but like there's something encouraging about that. And then the inverse is, I think a lot about how Cleveland got humiliated by the Bucks early into the season this year when Drew Holiday just kind of locked up Darius Garland for a solid 48 minutes. Like just made him uncomfortable and in turn made the Cavs uncomfortable on offense. Cleveland played Milwaukee again. They have Giannis, they have Middleton, they have Holiday out there. But J.B. Bickerstaff made adjustments to make Darius's life easier. Yeah. And it's it's a simple thing, but they're like, okay, we're not going to let Drew Holiday defend Darius. We're going to force him to switch off of him and then make Giannis defend him in space or force him. And Chris Middleton, again, is no slouch, but he's also not Drew Holiday in terms of defense either. Like, There's a little bit of less pressure there. So yeah. I, I feel like their chances are good. I feel like having those veterans and positive voices in the locker room at key positions for a lot of these guys helps too. And I think Bickerstaff being a little creative and being unapologetically himself with just wanting to play big, like he's not going to back away from that. Mm-hmm. And him making adjustments so and realizing maybe, hey, we need a course correct and maybe make some adjustments so that next time we see these guys, it doesn't happen again. So I, I, I'm curious to see how they handle the last 20 or so games. Like I, I just biggest thing of all is I want them to get healthy heading into the playoffs so that when they get there, they're kind of gelling and they're kind of hitting on all cylinders so that we don't really have to have these conversations anymore about like the small nagging issues with this cast. That that was my next question. How concerning, how concerned are you about these injuries? Do you think they're going to be nagging long-term because, you know, Garland's still dealing with his back. Levert has a foot, uh, Lori possible, but who knows, you know, he's still kind of making a return from his ankle situation. I mean, do you worry about that long term? Uh, marketing, not so much because I think you and I talked about this a little bit, but I was at the game when that happened. And when he fell to the floor, he grabbed the back of his ankle right away. And like initially, that's just a natural reaction when your Achilles ruptures. And that's your fear is like, oh, great. He ruptured his Achilles. And thankfully, it's still like an unideal. He had a high ankle sprain, but like in the grand scheme of things, the best possible thing, but he's a seven foot player. He's a big guy. Like he fell to the floor hard. 
And the Cavs are a team that are overly cautious. He's listed as probable because we're recording this the night before the Pistons game. I know we'll be posting this Friday morning, but either way, he's listed as probable. And I think he's gone through multiple practices at this point. And I know just talking to his agent and talking to JD that he stayed in Cleveland during the All-Star break just to kind of ramp up his rehab and his productivity because he wants to get back on the floor. The Garland aspect does concern me a little bit, but I, I look at it this way. It's been an issue since they were in San Francisco when they played Golden State. He pulled it again when they played Milwaukee, when they kind of made those adjustments and they kind of just mollywopped the Bucks, and that kind of got thrown to the wayside, but people have been watching it. But I look at it this way. You're playing a team like Detroit, and then you're playing Washington, and then you're playing Minnesota for your next three. Two of those three teams aren't trying to win. They're trying to get better playoff – or not playoff odds, lottery odds to get a better draft pick. I think you can afford to rest Darius maybe and his back in these games that maybe may not mean as much. And if you're able to beat these teams, regardless of whether or not all your players are available, that's the key thing here. So I, I would not be too concerned. I think like if this is the playoff scenario, you'd ask him like, Hey, how bad does it hurt? And I think he'd tell you like, Hey, I'm good enough to go. But if you're able to afford these opportunities to rest his back, I you can for it. Yeah, why push it? It's not a sprint. It's a marathon because when right. you get to the playoffs, you want to make sure people are fully available. And if Darius can get two, three games off between now and next week, that's ideal for me because then you think in April or May, even if they go that far, he's more available because his back's not as bad of an issue because you were able to afford to rest him during that time. 1000%. So hopefully that rest uh, gets them back in shape and ready for the long haul down the stretch. Mm -hmm. No, I absolutely agree. And I'm going to flip it back to you. How are you feeling about the Cavs post trade deadline? Like Philly made their move to get James Harden. The vaccine mandate news in New York is kind of big for the Nets because Kyrie Irving could be playing in Barclays soon. And instead of playing eight of their last 23 games, he could be playing quite a few more. Kevin Durant looks like he's coming back. I think Ben Simmons might be back sooner instead of later. Milwaukee's obviously very, very good. I think Atlanta's better than people give them credit for. Boston's in the thick of things. Like This is going to be a pretty tight race for Cleveland. I mean, Chicago and Miami are right there too, and I'm interested to see what happens with them as well. Like, How are you feeling about the Cavs' chances of just how strong the East is? I would say I need about two or three more weeks to give you a full answer. Good answer. I like sample sizes. I felt like before the all-star break, they were tired. You know, there were injuries. It was, I think they were just trying to get to the all-star break to kind of recoup and use that as a, okay, let's take a step back, take a breath. Everyone take a couple days. Coaches will look at what needs to be fixed and then we'll work from there on, you know, matchups, what teams we're doing, how we can better prevent that, what we can work to help play in our favor and then get going and really focus. I, mm -hmm. I, I'm eager to see it. I'm going to give it a couple games because I think, you know, they're still resting Garland. I think they're going to, it's going to take a little bit to get back in the groove, but here in about a week or two, I'm really going to be paying attention to see uh, how they're gelling, especially with Lavert, if he's really finding his groove and whatnot, because I, I, I'm a big believer in playing your best ball at the right time. You mm -hmm. don't want to hit too early and you don't want to hit too late because it's going to catch up with you down the stretch. So I think, you know, they need to find their footing coming out of this all-star break. And then you'll probably have to circle back and ask me in about three weeks to see how I'm feeling. But there's no reason not to, not to believe that they can't be in 
a real contention for playoffs. If they play like we know they can and they play to their advantages and play to their game, I think that is the key to everything is don't play ball the other way other teams are playing. Play ball the way Mm -hmm. you know how to play, which JB is great at, uh, and work that system. No, I absolutely agree. And I'm looking at my calendar now, March 9th. We'll have to pencil you back in for a three-week revisit on how you feel about them. (laughs) So perfect but i think we're gonna have to put a pin in it there like i agree with you we'll have to just see where they're at because playing their best ball at the best time that's a really good way to put it and if they are doing that in three weeks time i think you are a basketball savant and maybe you just bring championship caliber ball everywhere you go with coming from milwaukee to here but bailey before we head out tell everyone where they can find you tell them what you're working on if you can what you have going on and just anything you want to share with the folks yeah, at home so you can find me on cbs 19 news we have a 6 10 and 11 uh you can also find me on twitter at bayburn tv or bailey burmaster on facebook and instagram uh and you know we kind of cover it all we're gearing up for some march madness uh we'll start covering some cleveland state you know they're taught they clinched some of the horizon league regular season title with their win sunday um mac tournaments coming to town there's a lot of basketball to be played so we'll be mm-hmm. covering not just the Cavs, but a little bit of everything especially with college uh march madness i love me some march madness so uh a lot on the plate come march Everyone, be sure to check out Bailey's work. Be sure to follow her on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, anywhere you can find her. And you can check her out anytime, like you said. And you probably see my ugly mug on her side of things as well. So but you don't have to shake your head in agreement on the ugly mug part. <laughs> but thanks again, Bailey. I appreciate it. Guys, Chris and I will be back Monday to talk about Cavs, Wizards, and also preview their Monday tilt against Minnesota. Um, stay safe, stay warm, and as always, go Cavs.